0: going to start right in the top of your outline. During our long journey into the heavenlies, uh, we have come through a variety of scenes. Before I jump in, does anybody need an outline? Anybody need an outline? Outlines? Outlines? We good? Okay. Um, We have come through a variety of scenes. We saw the splendor of the very throne of God in chapter 4, but then we're required to witness disease, rebellion, suffering, global war, famine, and death. And so we have, from the very beginning, seen Um, ...some amazing, amazing uh, uh, scenes that have played out in heaven and on earth during our journey. After all the smoke of destruction cleared away... ...we entered into the clear, glorious beauty of God as he made all things new. John then began to describe the beauty, the dimensions, the material... ...and the landscape of the new Jerusalem. And we covered that over the past few weeks. Now as we come to the end of our journey... John writes the epilogue to his great apocalyptic vision. The actual revelation of the risen Lord ended in chapter 22 and verse number 5. And then John was inspired to write the closing words to his book. Number one, the certainty. The certainty. John now comes to basically his final thoughts... After all that we've studied and all that we've learned and all that we've listened to, John, uh, under the inspiration of God he brings himself to his final thoughts. He brings himself to realize that after everything that we've learned and everything that we've seen, what should be our motivation? What should we do based upon what we know? What should we, we take away from all of this? Because as we said from the very beginning, that, if, that, that the study of the book of Revelation is not about prophecy. Everything in the Bible is about our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have to make sure that that is what we're focused on. We're focused on the Savior and not on the prophetic events. And so John begins the book of Revelation with our focus turned directly on Jesus... And what does he do at the end of the revelation? He does the same thing. He reminds us once again, hey, listen, this is true. This is real. Everything that you've just read. But remember that our hope and our faith and everything in our life relies and is focused on Jesus Christ. So number one, the certainty. The statement, these sayings are faithful and true in chapter 22 and verse number 6 is a divine stamp upon the pages of this book, declaring the words are authentic and irrefutable. The prophecy in this book has been inspired by the Lord God of the holy prophets who sent his angels to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. I want you to know this evening that I believe with all my heart and that this will never change as long as that I, I stand in a pulpit and preach. That I believe with all my heart that the things that we have just studied and read are true. And that it's irrefutable. And that if you are a saved, born again Christian, heaven is your home. If you've never come to the realization that you need Jesus Christ as your personal savior, the Bible declares that your eternal state is in the lake of fire. I believe that. It's irrefutable. I believe that that we serve a loving God... ...but I also believe that we serve a just and righteous God. And that is why we have the book of Revelation. And So John is reiterating that this book at the end is irrefutable. It is the truth. The God who spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament... ...to tell of the birth and life on earth of the Messiah is the same God who inspired John to write of his return to earth... to reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We have the Alpha and we have the Omega. In chapter 22, verse 7, we find the phrase, Behold, I come quickly, which actually occurs twice more in this chapter. In chapter 22 and verse number 12, chapter 22 and verse number 20, the Bible says, Behold, I come quickly... What does that mean? The adverb quickly does not mean shortly. It is not saying that Jesus Christ will come shortly. What it means is that uh, it's been 2,000 plus years and the major part of the events described in this book have yet to transpire. Instead, the word quickly means that when the actions start, it will be sudden and the events will take place in rapid succession. We talked about the judgments, we talked about the trumpets, we talked about the bowls, we talked about the vials, uh, we talked about the seals, we talked about all of the judgments that take place. Behold, I come quickly simply means, as we have learned through the process, that these events are going to happen in rapid succession, and they are going to take place. And so Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly quickly. Also in verse 7, we find the sixth beatitude in the book of Revelation, which is very similar to the beatitude that we find in chapter 1 and verse number 3. Look with me uh, in chapter 22 and verse number 7. Behold, I come quickly. The next phrase, blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. If you remember back in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 3, the Bible says, blessed is he that readeth, And they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So blessed is he that readeth. Blessed is he that studieth. It is is the beatitude that, hey, uh, uh, we are blessed because we have taken time to not only read all the book of Revelation, but to study it and to learn it and to teach it uh, together. How ironic that this final book of the Bible should carry these special and unique promises to those who read it. And yet, it is one of the most neglected books in all of the Bible. People are, as we talked about way back in September, they shy away from the book of Revelation because they feel like that that there's so much detail that they don't understand or they they can't come to the understanding of. Can I tell you that Jesus never said, Blessed is he that understandeth it all. Blessed is he that readeth, Okay. Blessed is he that studieth it, all right? Studieth. You like that word? That was a good word right there. Um, <laughs> that's my old English. Um, and so, but, you know, blessed is he that understand or, or, or tries to, their best to get into it and, and read it and, and to do it. And then we allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in and through us to give us better understanding. And so hopefully now that we've traveled down this journey you will not be afraid to go back and to, to reiterate and relook at the things in the book of Revelation because there is a blessing that comes from it. Once again, John is so overwhelmed by these revelations that he falls down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed him these things in chapter 22 and verse number 8. Of course, as has been done before, the angel tells him not to worship him, but rather to worship the Lord because you are only ever supposed to worship the Lord, that's right. One of the greatest dangers we have as Christians is to worship something other than God himself. The phrase worship God literally means worship God and, and, and his name is singular, meaning God only. Worship God only. If I, could, if I could transliterate that for you in the Greek, worship Jehovah only, meaning the only living God and so we are to worship Him alone. Sometimes we are tempted to worship the Scriptures. Certainly we should love the Bible, study the Bible, live by the Bible, but we should never worship the Bible. Uh, at other times we may be tempted to worship pe- uh, uh, people God has used through the centuries, such as Moses, and such as Peter, and such as Joseph, or Mary. Their lives should teach us and inspire us, but we should worship God only We should worship God alone. John's revelation cannot be sealed because its contents are to be a special blessing to those who read it and because the time is at hand. Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 10. The conditions described in the letters to the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3 already existed. And believers need to be warned it is only a matter of time until the events in chapter number 4 through chapter number 20 ...begin to rapidly transpire. The Bible says the reason that we need to be aware of the book of Revelation... ...is because the time is at hand. The time is at hand. And I'm telling you, I know we've been some 2,000 years now... uh, ...removed from the prophecies that have been revealed... ...but that goes to tell me that we're 2,000 years closer to the coming of Jesus Christ... And I believe with all my heart that, that more than ever, that the time is certainly at hand. What, what time is at hand, Pastor? The time is at hand that, first of all, we should make sure that we're ready for the time. We should make sure that, that we have... Uh, I accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that, that we understand that Jesus Christ went to the cross, He died, He was buried, He rose again, and He did all of that for me, but I have to take the initiative and I have to go the step and accept Him as my Savior. Uh, according to John chapter number 3, it's a gift that He gives to us, and I have to be prepared because the time is at hand. Not only that, once I know that I'm saved and, I'm, and I I I, I have that assurance, then I should be serving. The Bible says we should always abound in the work of the Lord. Always abound in the work of the Lord. So we should be serving because the time is at hand. The third thing that we should be doing is not only should we be ready, not only should we be serving, but we should be telling. We should be telling those that need to hear that Jesus Christ is on his way back because the time is at hand. And I believe with all my heart that time is closer than it's ever been before. Another reason for not sealing the book is if it does not move people to change, then there is no message that will. The same applies to righteous people. Their reaction to this book should be to continue in righteous living. Also, there is a sense in which the present choice fixes our character forever For a time is coming when change will be impossible. Chapter 22, verse number 11. Look with me what it says. He that is unjust, let him be unjust. What's the next word? Still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy. What's the next word? Still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous. What's the next word? Still. And he that is holy, let him be holy. There it is again. What's that word? Still. Still. There is going to come a time when there can no longer be change. That, that there is a sense that our present choices, our choice fixes our character forever. In other words, uh, uh, as we've talked about throughout our passages of Scripture, there's going to come a time when the, the age of grace that we currently live in is going to cease to exist and salvation is no longer going to be attainable. And those that have lived unrighteously, those that have rejected Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, will no longer have a chance to change. The grace will end. And those that are righteous and those that are holy, the choice that they've made to uh, come to the realization of who Jesus is and served Him with all of their life will be fixed in that State. A person state at death or at the second coming of Christ is the state in which he will remain forever. The mess, not, and please don't take that as meaning that our, I'm talking about our bodies. I'm talking about our souls. It, it is a soul issue here. Uh, the message of this book will draw and win some people while it will repel and harden others. Therefore, it is important that this book be not sealed. And that's why it's so important that we study it and that we read it. Number two, the comfort. The comfort. In chapter 22, verses 12 through 16, John uh, puts an interlude in here and gives us comfort uh, about the future. Uh, In verse 12, Jesus himself speaks and says, And behold, I come quickly. And I love this next phrase. And my what? Reward. (laughs) Reward is with me. And my reward is with me. Uh, Can I tell you something, no matter how difficult life gets here on earth, no matter what troubles or trials or tribulations that you're up against, don't forget, Jesus Christ is coming quickly and he's bringing his reward with him. He's bringing his reward with him. So in other words, everything that you're going through and all the trials and problems that you have in your life are not in vain. Just remember, there's a reward coming There's a reward coming. Uh, We're at the end of the school year. And uh, uh, my children, uh, one of them had an award ceremony. The other one uh, uh, having bringing home awards from the school. And another one we had a parent-teacher conference with and telling us about the accomplishments of our children. And you look at all that and you think to yourself... At least for me, especially in our Matt and I's circumstance with pre-K, first time being in school, um, literally uh, crying his way through the first few days of school. You ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? You know, the teacher grabs him and he's "Ah!" trying to get back to mom and mom's "Ah!" and now you got to leave mom at home. You know, you can't come to school with us, you know. And then you meet with their teacher and now, you know, they're jumping out of the car and they're running to where they're supposed to go and they're helping in the class and all that kind of stuff. Can I tell you that when no matter how difficult it was at the beginning, there was a reward at the end. In a few days, there's going to be graduates that are going to walk across the stage and uh, receive their diploma from high schools and colleges all across this nation And can I tell you, no matter how difficult it was in their journey, there's a reward. You see, just as whenever we get to heaven, no matter how difficult it was here on earth, Jesus says, I come quickly and I bring my reward with me. What is he bringing? He's bringing to give every man according as his work shall be. This is a statement of great comfort. For while Christ will be coming to judge the world... He will also be coming to reward His saints according to their works. Reminds you that we are saved by grace, but rewarded by our works. We are saved by grace, but rewarded by our works. Once again, the Lord refers to Himself as the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. In verse number 13, four times in this book, Uh, we have read this awesome statement. Twice at the beginning, chapter 1, verse number 8, chapter 1, verse number 11, and now twice at the end of the book, chapter 21 and verse number 6, and chapter 22 and verse number 13. Jesus wants to remind us that no matter what is going on in our life, he is the beginning and the ending of it all. And he has got it all under control. Now we come to the last beatitude in the Bible in chapter 22 and verse number 14. Obedience to the Lord's commandments is the basis for our rewards. Look at chapter 22, verse number 14. The Bible says this, Blessed are they that what do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Blessed, the Bible says, are they that do His commandments. Uh, uh, Obedience to the Lord's commandments is the basis for our rewards. But the privilege of eternal life is based totally on my acceptance of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And of course we can refer to Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 5. According to chapter 22 and verse number 15, Outside the city are, uh, are those whose presence would defile it. The Bible says, For without our dogs, these are contemptible and malicious, uh, people of contemptible and malicious nature. All the others mentioned in this verse were also listed in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 8. And we know that in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 8, where they all have been banished to, the Bible says that they were all cast into the lake of fire. In other words, They are on the outside, not meaning that they're actually literally on the outside of the city, but there's no way for them to get in. Can I tell you what the illusion here is, or or maybe what we can compare it to? We can compare it to back in the book of Genesis with Noah. Remember, Noah preached for some hundred plus years. Do you remember the story? And the Bible says that they got on the boat, Noah and his family alone. How many could have gotten on the boat? Anybody, right? Everybody could have got on the boat. But there was only Noah and his family that believed. And the Bible says that, they, that God shut the door and everyone else was now on the outside. And no matter how much Noah wanted to open the door, he couldn't because God shut it. And all of those people perished because of their un. ...belief. Such as it is when we talk about the inside of the walls of the city of heaven. There are those inside that have said yes to Jesus Christ. All those on the outside that we're referring to here in the lake of fire... ...there is absolutely no way at this point that they can enter in. In chapter 22 and verse number 16 we find the unusual phrase... ...I, Jesus... I sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. It is as though Jesus is saying, I have personally sent my messenger to give you this uh, uh, revelation exactly as I want it. It is almost as Jesus is saying, here's the stamp of approval on everything that you've just read and understood. Jesus said, I, I've done it personally. Thus, Jesus again emphasizes the highest possible authority and authenticity of this book. For comments on the phrase, the root and offspring of David in chapter 22 and verse number 16, I'm just going to appeal to you to go back and refer to our discussion in Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 5 because it is such a lengthy discussion. But you can go back and look at our notes um, on Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 5. Jesus also refers to himself in Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 16 as the bright and morning star. This title is not applied to Christ anywhere else in the New Testament. So it has spe- special significance when used here at the, at the end of the book of Revelation. Uh, he is the bright and morning star assuring that a new day will dawn. A new day will dawn. He is the bright morning ...and morning star. In other words, uh, all of these things that we have seen... ...all these things that we have heard... ...how terrible it all is going to be... ...don't worry, Jesus Christ is the bride of morning star. A new day will, in fact, dawn. Number three, and we'll be done. The conclusion. The conclusion. This is chapter 22, verses 17 through 21... The conclusion of the book of Revelation contains the last evangelical appeal in the Bible. Verse 17, let's read it together. I think it's very important that we get it. Revelation chapter 22, verse number 17. And the spirit and the bride say what? Come. And let him that hear is say, come. And let him that is the come. And whosoever will let him take of the water of life. Freely, I'm just, I'm telling you, um, as we've studied the book of Revelation, there has been a resounding fact. If you remember that through every one of the judgments, there came a time where Jesus or God stopped the judgments and initiated grace. Do you remember that? He stopped the judgments and initiated grace, even during the Great Tribulation. And, and, and all throughout it, we see Jesus Christ appealing or, 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 or making an appeal to people to say, Hey, listen, just listen one more time and have the opportunity to say yes to me. And now we've read and we've studied all about the book of Revelation. And, and, and there's so much that could have been said in an epilogue format. But Jesus Christ wanted everyone to know, just stop for a moment. And he wanted to give everyone that read and understood everything that's going to take place, one final chance. One final moment. You know, I think so many times, and please... Don't take anything other than what I say for what I say. But I, I think many times as we have lived our Christian lives and we have, we have, uh, we have moved from, from our salvation experience on in our lives, that the salvation that we understand and that we have just becomes a part of our everyday life and not something that really moves us anymore. And my concern is is that we do not understand the brevity and the realization of the last invitation. I can tell you that I've personally stood by bedsides of people that are taking their last breath with their family members standing around them, crying, begging them, with everything that's in them to give their lives over to Christ. And begging me to tell them, Preacher, just please tell them. Because when they take their last breath, it's going to be over, Preacher. Somebody, please tell them. And I've watched them take their last breath. And I've watched their families begin to wail and cry. And they look at me and they say, why wouldn't they take the last invitation? Listen, church, and I say this with all reality in mind, this could be the last invitation. The Bible tells us that our life is but a vapor It appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed next week. The Bible tells us that we should not put off tomorrow what we can do today. You see, this is the invitation. This is God pleading one last time for you to say, you know what? I need to come to the realization that I need Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I need to come to the realization that there are people all around me that need to know that the final invitation is being given. It is as though all the inhabitants of the new Jerusalem give the invitation, come. John's vision is still future, but the need to come to Christ is present. The spirit and the bride saying come echoes the invitation of the groom, Jesus. This is not a new invitation. We find this invitation all throughout scripture. Matthew chapter number 11 verse 28 and 29. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. John chapter 6 and verse number 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. It is the invitation. John chapter 7 and verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come to me. ...and drink. Revelation 22, 17 also says... ...and let him that heareth say come. Therefore the individual Christian who has heard and believed... ...is to invite others to come to Christ. It is our personal responsibility to invite people to come now... ...no matter who they are or where they come from. Now that the final book of prophecy is complete... ...we find one of the most solemn warnings in the Bible in verses 18 through 19... The Lord Jesus revealed this prophecy directly through his angels. And no one should be guilty of adding to it or deleting from it. Look with me in verse number 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, or excuse me, of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. I believe with all my heart God is very, very serious about messing with his word. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, I believe that what God has imparted to us, Um, As individuals down through history is exactly what God wanted us to know and to hear and to understand. And it is for us not to add to or to take away from. May I remind you that there is only one interpretation of the word of God, but there are many, many applications. Anyone guilty of adding to it, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Anyone guilty of deleting something from the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. We find similar, similar warnings in two other places in Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and verse number 2, the Bible says, You shall not add unto the word of God which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I commands you he also says in proverbs chapter 30 verses 5 through 6 every word of god is pure he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him add thou not unto his words lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar so jesus and god are very very specific about their word for the third time in this chapter the lord jesus says he will come quickly this prayer was often used by the early church, primarily at the close of the Lord's Supper. The phrase, come Lord Jesus, is equivalent of the transliterated Aramaic word that we found in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 22, Maranatha. And uh, it, it is an amazing, amazing thought. Even so, Lord, come quickly. The benediction in Revelation twenty-two twenty-one. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Emphasizes nothing less than God's grace can enable us to be overcomers. And enter the new Jerusalem where we shall live and reign with Christ forever. What's the last word? Amen. Amen. Well, there it is. Revelation chapter 1 to Revelation chapter number 22. My prayer is, is that as we've taken this very long journey, that you will take a few things away from it. First of all, my prayer is, is that you'll take away from it that each of us need to ensure that we are prepared for our future, that we are prepared for the things to come, The second thing I hope you take away from it is is that you want to help others get prepared. Because the time is at hand. The third thing I hope you've taken away from it is that you understand more about the grace of God. And that even through all the destruction, God's grace resonates. And the fourth thing I hope you take away from it is that you understand that yes, we serve a God of grace. But we also serve a God of justice. And then the last thing I hope you take away from it is realizing that in the end, there is victory in Jesus. Because you see, now, if you've taken this journey from the start to the end, you've read the last chapter. And you know who wins. And who wins is Jesus. And if I'm a Christian, I'm heir and joint heir with Jesus. So that means I've won too. And so tonight there is great, great victory in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? You know, sometimes I take for granted that here we meet Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday and You come in and you leave and you come in and you leave. And sometimes we never take a moment to just ensure that everyone under my voice understands the great need for salvation. And so this is what I would say tonight is that if you're here and you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, that tonight can be that night no delay tonight is that night because the bible tells us that that we are not promised tomorrow even though we may think we have the whole world ahead of us and our whole lives ahead of us yeah we do have our whole lives ahead of us but our lives could come to a quick end in a very short period of time And then it'll be too late. I'm not here to scare you. I'm just here to tell you the truth. So maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, that there has never been a time. And, you know, here we are looking at the very last invitation in the word of God. And this could be my very last invitation. But I tell you that it's very simple. The Bible says in John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, meaning me, you, whoever, believes in him will not die, will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's as simple as, first of all, admitting that you're a sinner. Because we're all born sinners. And then believing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. That he went to that cross, he he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And then confessing our sins and saying that Jesus Christ is the only way that I can find hope and favor. If that's you tonight, I want you to know that all you have to do is open up your life and your heart to him. And he is waiting with open arms to receive you. If that's you tonight, I want you to know that there would be nothing that would thrill my heart more than to be able to talk to you about that and encourage you and let you know that you can make the greatest decision in your life. It's very simple. It's just asking for Jesus Christ to take over your life and your heart and everything within you. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm saved and I've been saved a long time. But I've forgotten my mission. I've forgotten my goal, which is to remind other people that there is a last invitation. My prayer tonight for you is that you'll be motivated once again to go and tell as Jesus Christ has commanded us to. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you do in our lives. We thank you for being our Savior. We thank you for loving us and caring for us. Lord, I pray that you'll encourage us Lord, I pray that we'll be strengthened by the things that we've learned and seen. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.